welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burntorangenation.com. Before we get started, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. Subscribe this wherever you found it, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. We'd love to have you as a member of our family. And also, if you ever dreamt of starting a podcast, you've actually got a really cool opportunity for you. Our podcast host, Podient, is actually offering all of our listeners a 25% off of their premium membership for your first three months. It's already actually a really affordable hosting agreement. And what they do for you is they take all of your podcast information and literally push it out to all the servers for you. They also provide free analytics. They also have a really, really responsive tech support team because it's a Slack that goes directly to the guy that writes all the code. So it's really, really nice. Again, if you'd like to sign up for that, you can use the code Longhorn. Go to podient.co, P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O. Sign up using the offer code Longhorn. You get a 14-day free trial and 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I am joined by the illest, the realist, Kyle Carpenter, who's in uh, some familiar stomping grounds. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fantastic uh, back in the great state of Texas. I'm actually in the ATX this weekend for Memorial Day uh, after another week in in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, So happy to be in Texas for a brief period, still traveling, but uh, get back here and saw a lot of burnt orange around the the 40 acres today. Drove by the stadium. Looks like uh, looks like a 12 win stadium to me, I'll be honest. Feels good. Yeah, 12, 12 to 13 wins would feel great this week. So we're doing something special for the summer. We're actually going to go through over the next 13 weeks and do some previews for you. So we actually reached out to uh, writers, podcast hosts, editors uh, who cover all of the squads on Texas's uh, schedule for the next, the 2018 season. So we're going to start that this week. Next week, because of a scheduling thing, uh, we're actually going to give you a 2018-2019 recruiting preview, uh, and then we'll jump back in with actually a double dose in a couple of weeks where you'll have uh, you'll have Tulsa and USC on the same week to round out the uh, pre-conference schedule. But this week, we've got a special guest joining us, Jared Goldstein's from Testudo Times. The, he also hosts the Testudo Times podcast. He's a managing editor over at Testudo Times. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm great. Enjoying Memorial Day weekend. Glad to spend some time with the family and take a few days off from work and uh, ready to get back to it after monday yeah it's it's always nice to get that extra day off especially when you do things like go on a podcast on a sunday night so thank you so much for taking some time out to uh to join us so jared let's just let's just jump in um kyle and i are still a little hurt after the way last season started um you know maryland came out and just whipped the dog crap out of texas and you know we're, we're still praying and working through that in our personal lives but um now we're going to move past that we're going to look to 2018 so uh the the big question just to start off with is man so te- against texas um terrell pigrome started injured himself in the second half Kaysom Hill came in, started the next two games, and then Max Bortenschlager, hope I got that right, closed out the season actually pretty well for you guys. Uh, so when Maryland rolls it out, uh, you know, in September, what's who's going to be under center for the, the Terrapins? That's that's something that's actually still up in the air. Um, both uh, Pigram and, and Kasim Hill are supposedly ahead of schedule. Um, in their in their recoveries, it seems about two weeks behind in terms of when he sustained his injury, and his looked a you know from just watching it looked a little um, a little worse I would say he was kind of rolled up on whereas Piggy as we all affectionately call him um, awesome just kind of you know I mean you guys watched the game he just kind of slipped and his knee gave out. Um, but they are both supposedly ahead of schedule, um, open practices in the spring. They were kind of doing their own things on the side. Uh, they've started throwing to receivers, just kind of simple three, five step drops and throwing to an uncovered receiver. There's no live action yet. Um, I'm sure something will come out of late summer camp. Um, we'll see how that goes then. It wouldn't surprise me to see either one of them starting week one at FedEx field. Uh, what would surprise me, frankly, is if neither one of them started. Um, okay. I 
I don't know, again, exactly how medically they're doing, but the word is that they are ahead of schedule. Got it. So you think one of the two guys from a year ago, uh, I guess one of the three, one of the two guys that got hurt a year ago will will be starting. So regardless of you know who ends up at at quarterback for you guys, you know whether it's you know Piggy as you as you call him Hill or Borton Schlager, uh, you know it's always good to have a, a playmaking receiver. So just to kind of pull the bandaid off quickly, uh, you know losing DJ Moore to the NFL draft was it was a big hit for you guys on offense. So you know as the as the season rolls out, who do you expect to kind of fill in for that that big play guy? The, the game-breaking wide receiver uh, that Texas fans are still having uh, kind of waking nightmares about. Sure. So it'll be um, the number one guy is going to be a guy you guys are familiar with, uh, Tavon Jacobs, who caught a touchdown in last year's game. Um, he's kind of a outside speedy. He's smaller, so he you know he could play some slot too, but he's kind of a speedster on the outside. And uh, he was the second-leading receiver last year. Uh, he caught. 47 passes last year and the rest of Maryland's receivers who are on the roster now have a combined 33 receptions. That's fantastic. Um, so it's going to have to be kind of a, a by committee type thing. And one guy has 25 of those 33. <laughs> so it's just like, nice. It's one of those where you're like, it's tough to actually answer the question. It could be one of eight guys really. Um, but one dude to keep an eye on, in my opinion, would be Jay Sean Jones. He's an incoming freshman. He was an early enrollee this past year. And um, or I guess that's this year still. And he, in spring camp, was just lights out. He looked like he'd been in school for a while. One coach, actually, I overheard him talking to, to a recruit and said he was the next DJ Moore. So, you know, you might have gotten rid of the real one, but you may, you may <laughs> have to deal with uh, the next one coming out soon. I I don't know if my uh, my PTSD can handle another DJ Moore. Yeah, that can come to fruition uh, next year when, when y'all don't play us, but uh, or the following year. The the one I'm curious about, and maybe I'm way off base, and this is just my I've never hit on this podcast that I'm also a Baltimore Ravens fan. Um, but how is Ray Shad Lewis, who looks identical to his father, Ravens legend Ray Lewis? How is he? Uh, is he a, a real deal? I know he's a transfer from Utah State who's coming in new. Uh, is he looking like he could be a contributor? Uh, yeah, he, he does look just like his dad. That's funny. Um, he is one of Maryland's – Maryland likes to throw people on offense and defense. Um, and he was actually playing defensive back in the spring game. So Okay. So he yeah, he came in as a receiver, obviously. He was a, a really good receiver at, at Utah State uh, last time he played. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what their plan is. He kind of did the first half of the spring. He was at receiver, and then we showed up to one practice, and he was wearing I think 34 and playing defense. So I'm not exactly sure what they settled on. Um, I guess that'll be something we find out in in fall camp or, or the end of summer, and when and if we do figure that out, <laughs> I'd be happy to share that information with you guys. But I'm not really, uh, I'm not really 100 percent sure what they're doing with him right now. I think the main thing he needs to bring to the team is the is the out of tunnel dance. That's for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That would, that's some pretty cool stuff for sure. So we'll, I, we may ask questions. Uh, we'll ask a question that you probably have an answer for. Then uh, you know, one guy that you you didn't lose and the offense isn't in flux is Ty Johnson. Um, so he's going to anchor the running game. He again just blasted texas last year 132 yards uh man is he is he set to have just another monster year for you guys like should should fans be worried about this guy again so it's it's definitely going to be interesting i like pondering these kinds of questions about the offense because maryland has a new offensive coordinator in matt canada um yeah. who was at lsu last year and and you know young mastermind walt bell is is down at florida state now so it's going to be a completely different offense. So I don't know exactly, you know, how, what the balance is going to be, so to speak, based on, you know, running and passing. Um, he's had offenses that were run heavy. He's had offenses that were pass heavy. Um, he's done pro style. He's done spread. Um, but every, the, the one thing there will be, obviously, is going to be a lot of motions. I'm sure that's another question that we can delve into later. 
Um, but to answer your question, Maryland has like six running backs that I could see getting at least three to four carries a game. And that I only say, you know, that small a number because there's six of them and you got to kind of spread them around. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, Ty Johnson, in all likelihood, if there was going to be a feature back, um, he would be the guy. And he is so explosive. I don't think it was last year, but the year before that, he had a game, yeah, it was two years ago, against Purdue, where he had like nine carries for 206 yards or something. He averaged wow. like a billion yards a carry. It was crazy. Um, Checks out. But there's other games where, you know, he doesn't hit the long run and it's, you know, seven carries for 48 yards or whatever. And it's just right. kind of, you know... Uh, a dud of a game so yeah if there was going to be a guy who you know is the the veteran leader of the backfield and and would lead the team in carries and yards and rushing touchdowns it would probably be ty johnson for sure and the offensive line is still pretty intact from from a year ago you guys you know lost a lost a tight end but outside of that your your offensive line is intact so that running game you know maybe uh, maybe again, something to be feared. Texas fans are still waking up in cold sweats about that. Uh, you know, and Canada knows what to do with a good running back with, you know, Darius Geis a year ago. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see. And hopefully, um, at least on this side of the podcast, hopefully the, the Maryland running game does not look anywhere near as good as it did last year, at least from, from our vantage point, I'm sure you feel completely differently about that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, sure. I, I, uh, it's funny. I grew up a Maryland fan. Um, and that's why I'm at Maryland. Um, but we try to, we try to separate our, our fandoms from our journalistic responsibility or whatever at test studio times. So I can openly, openly sit here and root for Maryland, but I'm on a burnt orange nation podcast. So I guess I can do whatever I want. Um, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, if, if, if I had to pick, and it's just more exciting to, to write about a team that's doing well and winning. So yes, I do, I do hope the running game looks just as good, if not better, as it did last year. And they, the, they returned all five starting offensive linemen, so including two guys who could have yeah. left to go to the NFL. So, you know, hopefully that, that bodes well for, for the rushing game and pass protection. Did not mean to ask you to uh, compromise your journalistic integrity there. We Yeah, yeah, no 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 problem. <laughs> but if you were going to do it, this is the place. Let your hair down and let it all fly. So, let's let's flip sides, you know, kind of like, you know, Ray Shad. Uh we'll flip sides and see where we land, but the uh the Maryland defense nice. um from a year ago had some struggles, had some really big games. Uh have a lot of holes to fill going in, you know, losing seven guys to graduation, uh, including, you know, Jermaine Carter, who was drafted by Carolina. So what's, what's that new look defense going to look like? There's going to be a lot of turnover personnel wise there. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of new faces, uh, a lot of kids from the 2017 recruiting class. That was, that was real solid. Um, we're going to be stepping up and we're going to be asked to step up whether they do or not is up to them, I guess to fill the shoes it's it's going to be my guess is that it, the defense will look virtually the same there wasn't a lot of coaching turnover um the one guy to look out for if i had to pick one um would be another guy you guys unfortunately for you i guess are <laughs> familiar with um it was, is antoine brooks um who returned the the block field goal for the touchdown yep um, he is, he's going to play in the NFL. I'm more than positive. Um, he is, he's at Maryland. He's played linebacker, nickel corner, strong safety, um, and any hybrid of those three, you know, put all together into one position. So he's kind of that Rover position and he is everywhere. He'll make tackles in the backfield. He'll, he'll come down with an interception. He'll cover guys in the slot. Um, so he just kind of is is going to wreak havoc on defense. Um, what I'm interested to see is what the defensive line looks like because yeah. it's going to be – well, first of all, they brought in Byron Cowart, who was the former yeah. number three number overall – like composite recruit rivals had him at right. one. I think ESPN had him at one. Um, yeah. 
So he was, a, he was an Auburn guy right out of high school. Yeah, he was at Auburn and he kind of, I mean, I talked to him at spring practice. He just kind of lost his way and lost his confidence. And in a place like Auburn where they're bringing in, you know, high four-star and five-star defensive linemen every year, sure. if you're not producing, you are stuck on the bench. So, you know, he got a basically a full year away from football. He played three games last season and then, I guess he met the cutoff for that being a full season to sit out, and so he's eligible to play at Maryland immediately. Um, okay. And so he's, I mean, he looked like a beast when when I saw him in spring practice. I'm not the biggest of people, but standing next to him was a little bit scary. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's he's he's going to hold down one defensive end spot, and then. Jesse Annabonum, who got hurt in last year's Texas game. Yeah. Um, he's still, like, I've seen him, you know, around campus. He is still in, you know, cast or boot or whatever. Um, but he wasn't at some point. So I don't know what the deal is there. There's some mystery going on. So hopefully for his sake, you know, he's he's healthy and he gets to uh, – to play again, but that whole defensive line is going to be interesting. There's a bunch of former four-star recruits who can theoretically fill, you know, the the interior defensive line, but you know they're all mostly inexperienced guys. So, you know, I guess time will tell. Really, is you know, if you ask me this question at the end of August, I'd probably have a, you know, a more complete answer on you know, who's going to be where, but there's just, there's so much turnover that it's, it's almost impossible really. Yeah. And it, it seemed like, you know, you lost two at the linebacker spot, right? Shane Cockrell. I remember that name and Jermaine Cotter guys who just piled up tackles. Um, I know you said you have kind of the Rover spot locked down with a guy who's going to soak up some of that. Are you relying on this year? You think with those ends that uh, you're going to pressure more? Cause I don't think from the scouting I saw in Maryland and admittedly playing all the first game, I kind of caught up later in the year, but y'all weren't really, uh, having a lot of success rushing the passer last year, but you think it'll be a little different look where you're a linebacker heavy, kind of soaking up um, second level a lot of a lot of plays that this year you're gonna you're gonna be in the backfield and and kind of be putting that pressure on to to give a different edge look. Yeah, I think the uh, the natural progression, I guess, of the defense getting Byron Coward in there. Hopefully, Jesse is healthy on the other end, um, and the emergence of some of these these other guys on the interior um, part of the line would bring up the, you know, the, the pressure the, Maryland's defensive line was bad last year. There's no, no ifs, ands or buts about that. They were 120 something in adjusted sack rate. You know, they weren't getting any pressure on anybody. Um, it was a bad pass defense. I think the rushing defense was somehow worse. Um, <laughs> Actually, the numbers say otherwise, but only barely. But um, it felt that way, maybe. It felt that way. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. Uh, there was there was basically no pressure last year at all. Maryland went, I think, three or four full games without a sack. At some point, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was just frustrating. Like like from wanting to watch a good football standpoint, like it was frustrating that there was no um, anything going on, really. And, and again, like I said, stopping the run wasn't much much easier. Um, but Maryland added, like you said, at linebacker, lost, obviously, Jermaine Carter and Shane Cockrell, um, but added a grad transfer from Illinois, Trey Watson, um, who was uh, okay. not last year leading tackler, but I think the year before that. Um, and Isaiah Davis, who played a bit last year in spurts, um, was kind of the third linebacker. Maryland really only has two base linebackers because um, they play a base nickel defense. So he was kind of the mm-hmm. third linebacker off the sideline there. And he's stepped into that middle linebacker role. Um, Maryland also recruited like 15,000 linebackers in last year's class. <laughs> Um, and so all of them, probably the real answer is five. They have five, um, (laughs) new linebackers. And and I think all five of them will see, 
will at least be in the two deep in camp. Um, they'll have the opportunity to play their way into the rotation. Um, one new stud to look out for who may not really ever affect Texas because you know, the teams aren't going to play again until this kid's gone. Um, but it's Chance Campbell is someone I'm, I'm excited to see play. He'll come in right away and everyone's going to say he's Luke Keekley because he's a white middle linebacker. Um, <laughs> but he, he may, he may play in, in September's game. So, you know, if they okay. break away on Fox sports or whatever channel it's on. And so this kid is chance Campbell. Just remember that, you know, I said that first. So, um, you heard it here first folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he has a cool name. Chance Campbell's a cool name. So that's a, um, that's a linebacker name if I've ever heard it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the linebacker position is interesting. Um, and you know, we could just go around the whole defense if you want to. <laughs> well, I'm curious, is that a point of strength this year? Because, I mean, I feel like the Texas game withstanding, and we can talk about how that actually played in the overall season and in, in injuries withstanding, but the Texas game aside, you know, I feel like the Maryland defense kind of had a rough go of it last year, giving up 37 points and 400 yards. And, and again, I say that only as a, as, a, as a fan of a team last year who was equal was you know that inept on the offensive side of the ball if not more but had um, a pretty elite defense and may may have been one of our rougher games being against uh, from a point standpoint against that Maryland team but um, do you see this year that it's a pretty balanced attack do you see defense stepping up and being more of a you know grinded out old school Big Ten where Maryland's shutting people down I mean this is DJ Durkin, a defensive guy from uh, from the Harbaugh coaching tree, you know, um, is that is that the ultimate identity? Excuse me, identity that that Maryland is is you know heading towards in your view? Yes, short answer, yes. I think eventually, if he's around long enough, that would that will become the identity of the Maryland Terrapins. Um, I think right now Maryland is still going to have to outscore the majority of its opponents uh, to win. Um, okay. Just because, and it it feels weird to say that even, just because it just feels like it's taking longer to implement a defensive system, and more importantly, to get the players to fit that defensive system. I think the cupboard uh, the cupboard was pretty bare when Durkin got here um and I'll right. make make no you know I have no qualms about uh talking about uh the former Maryland football coach um but uh yeah I mean there wasn't really a whole lot of players to to fit into Durkin's system I mean he's a guy who wants to attack on defense and dictate what the offense is doing instead of reacting um on the other end. So it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to answer your question again. Yes. I think that, that eventually defense will be the, the hallmark of this team once they get the athletes they want. Um, for right now though, I think if Maryland is going to win a significant number of football games, it's going to have to be on the offensive end. So for you know for texas fans really um what we what what our hope is kind of conversely is that our offense takes those those steps forward kind of like what you mentioned with the defense so if if you had to pick a guy who you know is going to be the the playmaker defensively is going to be the guy who maybe sets the tone sets the temperature and really leads the charge defensively you know on offense and you mentioned uh, ty johnson being that guy who's the guy on defense that's that's going to lead for uh for the terrapins uh, that'll that'll probably be that that same guy Antoine Brooks the uh, that guy who plays all the eighty five positions. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be a junior this year, um, so it's I guess you know it's time to to step up and and be a leader. Um, he was kind of that guy last year. I think there was some stat where you know if he had you know a turnover in the game or whatever Maryland won, which obviously wasn't that many times. So it's kind of easy to have a statistic like that. Um, but it's uh, he's he's one of those guys. He's a local guy. That's a huge thing. I don't know how closely you guys follow Maryland and Maryland recruiting and everything. Um, but that's like a huge thing for Maryland right now is this local Maryland sits on a recruiting hotbed in the, the D.C. area. 
And so he's a guy who kind of embodies that where he um, stayed home to play college football. And he's now last year just was unreal um, for his hometown team. And so, you know, he kind of pumps everyone up and, and he's so much fun just like to talk to. Um, and he looks like he's having fun on the field all the time, dancing around and everything. So yeah. he is, he's definitely that guy who, um, will, will be probably like the emotional, more outspoken leader. There's other guys who could, you know, be, you know, more vocal and, and, you know, let their play do the talking, um, or I guess less vocal and, and let the play do their talking, but he's the guy who you'll see on TV and you'll be like, oh, that's, you know, that's the leader of the defense. He'll be the guy at the middle of the uh, middle of the pregame huddle screaming. Exactly. Well, yeah, so he'll be. There's a, uh, there's a guy on, on UT's uh, receiving core who Gerald is very, very fond of, and he's shown some flashes. If you watch any of that USC tape last year, he looked legitimately like a, a first or second round uh, draft pick receiver, and, and we're really kind of big on him this year, taking the next step in second year in a Tom Herman and Tim Beck offense, and, and with you know a, no longer a freshman quarterback under center, and that's Colin Johnson. And just to give the, the bio data on this this human, he is 6'6", probably in the, in the 230 region, and runs somewhere in the four fives um you know maybe maybe touching lower if he's really got a head of steam do you have a guy like do you have a a secondary because UTS and burners if they have the time the line being the big question but if they have the time where they, they can get the ball downfield um is secondary a place where you feel like you have a guy who you can put a lockdown corner on um or is that really going to be dependent on that pass rush so Maryland just Got is last year he was sitting out as a transfer from Florida State, a four-star cornerback, um, Marcus Lewis, who is from D.C. originally. Um, he played at local Gonzaga High School and went to Florida State. Um, and again, just like we kind of talked about with Byron Cowart on the defensive line at Auburn, if there's a place you don't really want to get hurt as a defensive back, Florida State is one of them. Um, and so he kind of got buried on that depth chart and transferred out and is now back home he is the guy um, who is expected to be the lockdown corner um, and follow the other team's number one receiver around I remember Colin Johnson from last year's game Um, the dude was a beast Um, and and you know just from watching you know the rest of the rest of the season because then you know obviously once Maryland won that game, I was like, oh, Texas better win every other game now um, to make that win look even better. Um, so yeah, we felt the of, same. We wanted you to, to win the Big Ten to make us feel right, better. <laughs> right, exactly. Sorry we didn't hold up our end of the bargain there. Um, but, but yeah, you guys had a whole bunch of uh, Maryland fans or Texas fans in College Park last year. Um, nice. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, if that, that's probably getting the matchup is, is Marcus Lewis. Uh, I'm going to check his vitals right now he's not gigantic um but he's big enough i guess as a corner um to cover a receiver he's six one so you know he's he's got okay. some length to him but you know absolutely again you know six six is is another animal um but we'll see i mean if if Johnson's as fast as you say he is, there's going to have to obviously be some safety help over the top for sure. It, it, it may have been a little bit of uh, who was the guy from SNL, the the Bears uh, fan, who every time they told the story, he he got he got bigger and faster and. Uh... Bill Brasky. I, I, I may have Bill Braskied his 40 time. I, I can't confirm. Uh, I know he looks fast on the field. I'll say that, but maybe it's the legs that where he strides like six yards at a time, but. Kyle has him as the first ever sub three forty yard dash. That's really where we're at. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that would be that would be cool to see. But yeah, no, I remember he caught a touchdown in last year's game, right? He did at some point. Yeah, he did. I think yeah. 135 or 130 in a touchdown. I think was the line. Yeah, he had a pretty pretty decent game for sure. He kind of had a he kind of had a 
a Maryland football trajectory. He started off fire in the beginning of the year. I know y'all started three and one, um, but uh, you know he he leveled a little bit. I don't had quite the precipitous drop, but leveled a little bit. Um, I, I guess if if you had to say one thing to the guys who or the listeners on this uh, podcast who who saw Maryland last year, saw you start three and one, kind of saw maybe the end of the season, didn't know everything that happened. Can you give like a quick recap? I know you, you played five quarterbacks. You had injuries all across the board. Um, can you just give a quick, hey, this is where the team looks different, and maybe maybe just a quick, uh, this is my outlook. Maybe You don't have to go wins if you don't want to prediction, but just where you think this Maryland team slots in different from last year. Sure. I mean, and, and you kind of said it already, is Maryland played five quarterbacks last year. Four different guys started a quarterback last year, including a walk-on who was previously at Community College after being at Air Force. Um <laughs> who is now no longer with the team. Um, so yeah. it's it, it was just one of those things where if Maryland was playing either their one or their two, who you saw both of last year, they were probably going to be fine. My cautiously optimistic outlook after winning at Texas was seven wins last year. Um, obviously that didn't happen. Um, but again, that was, you know, starting quarterback, backup quarterback out for the season the third string quarterback didn't fit uh athletically the system Walt Bell was trying to run and so the guy who did was like a five foot eight walk-on quarterback who really shouldn't have been playing and started against Michigan so it it was just one of those years where everything went wrong um and what I would say, you know, that that would, I guess, catch someone's eye who's not already familiar or as familiar as as Maryland fans are with what's going on in the program is the offense is going to look completely different. So last year, right. you know, was the first year that Pigram was really starting. He started one game the year before. Um and they had this four-star freshman who was already pushing for the starting job, you know, immediately. So, you know, they had the two quarterbacks who could really, and, and they both run. They're both mobile. Um, so they had this kind of dual threat, you know, read option style spread, where you could spread the whole field out and just run and take your shots occasionally down the field. Um, now there's going to be a lot more under center and a lot more pre-snap movement. And you'll probably see no Maryland tight end caught a pass last year. I don't know if you guys know that stat. Really? There's zero, uh, no. zero catches for the tight ends last year. Um, they were only targeted oh. like 12 times. So I guarantee that'll be different this year. Yeah. Um, so it's just going to be, there's, it's, you guys are going to experience the first game of the Maryland iteration of Matt Canada as we do. Um, So what that exactly looks like, again, I'm not totally sure, but I I think this Maryland team, if they don't lose all of their quarterbacks again, um, is, (laughs) is at worst like one of those, I don't really want to go to this bowl bowl teams um i think they get six uh the schedule is a little more favorable this year with bowling we replace ucf with bowling green or we replace towson and ucf with bowling green and temple so mm. you know we don't have to play at the national champions um that's right my national so, champion. right so so you know it's it's the out of conference schedule rotation seems to be a bit easier um Mm. and you know maryland avoids the crossover with wisconsin um which is always big um with the big 10 west crossover games so it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see how that goes but yeah that's that's kind of the 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 lowdown on you know the offense is going to look real different Uh, the defense will probably be sort of the same um, maybe executed a little better with you know another year in the system and and more athletic guys coming in, and the quality of play is somewhere around a 
I would say anywhere between five and eight wins, nothing would shock me in that range. Okay. That's good for the uh, the actual football, the real meat and potatoes, which, you know, Gerald loves the, the real stuff. I'm a fan of everything that's not. So we're now going to rotate out with something, and we didn't prepare you for this, so I'm excited to see how this goes for a little something we're calling Rapid Fire. This is a podcast original. Burn Orange Nation presents Longhorn Republic presents Rapid Fire uh, questions to our guests. So I'm going to go first, and, and I just i am going to say over – under or appropriately rated we're going to give you a few things here all right okay i like it let's do it all right i'm going to start off overrated underrated appropriately rated crab cakes crab cakes um if you're getting them from maryland they're probably underrated um anywhere else they are not as good okay all right, so we're keeping it stereotypical. As as a as a, another state, you know, Maryland and Texas have a ton of stereotypes. Crab crab cakes and football being one. The other one that most people outside of Maryland know Maryland for overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. The HBO classic, The Wire. I'm actually watching The Wire right now. Um, what is the general outside of Maryland consensus of The Wire? Is it? <laughs> that it's a great show or that it sucks. You're talking to people that absolutely love the show. So we'll go with, it's a great show. Okay. It is appropriately rated. Then I love this show. How far are you in that? That could also color your opinion. I am in the middle of season four, which is my favorite season. Yep. My favorite season, season four. Yep. Uh, season three is great. Uh, tie. All right. Uh, over under or appropriately rated <clears throat> Joe Flacco's eliteness. Overrated. <laughs> I have two two Ravens fans, roommate slash good friends, who will be mad when they hear that answer. But he, I think he's overrated. So you're saying Joe Flacco is not elite? Okay, got it. Now, are you a Ravens fan? I am not. I am a Giants fan. Okay. Our last, our last rapid fire: overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated Old Bay seasoning? Underrated, criminally underrated. Just like a true <laughs> Marylander would say. Um, I'm telling you guys that I, there, what was that commercial, um, with like the old grandma, it wasn't for old Bay, it was for something, but she goes, I put that on everything. Um, it, you can put it on chicken, meat, seafood. I put on my popcorn. Sometimes you can legitimately put it on whatever you want. The trick is not to put too much on a little bit goes a long way. Okay. I put I put Old Bay on an avocado just this morning with my breakfast. It was fantastic. Okay, there you go. So you get it. You can legitimately put it on anything you want. Love it. <laughs> I will be up there for the game, so I'll be uh, ingesting some local Old Bay uh, the first week of September. I will be looking forward to it. Amazing. If you we'll we'll take you out for for an authentic Maryland crab cake meal then for sure. Perfect. Well, Jared, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time to to hang out with us, and, and we really really appreciate you coming on. Anything you want to plug before you go? No, I would just say you know over the summer. I know last summer I I didn't comment or anything or say anything, but I joined Burnt Orange Nation just to kind of read everyone's opinions and previews on the team. I would encourage Texas fans to do the same. We'll have coverage rocking all summer long on Maryland football and what to expect for the upcoming season. There's already some some cool stuff up there now. So, you know, if you're looking for your fill of what to expect week one, uh, there there'll be plenty of stuff on stuff up on Testio Times all summer long for you. Awesome. Jared, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on. Some other big news this week. So a man named Snoop, as we like to call him here on the uh, the podcast decided that he wanted to uh, wanted to stay in burnt orange for another year. So uh, Kerwin Roach, the second again, the man we call Snoop, has made it official via Twitter that he will uh, will be withdrawing his name from NBA draft consideration to return to Texas for his senior season. Now Snoop leaving felt real, real bad a couple of months ago because 
Eric Davis was never going to put on uh, burnt orange again, and uh, Jacob Young decided he was going to transfer to Rutgers. So uh, some depth at the uh, in the in the backcourt there is uh, is much needed for Texas. So Kyle, keeping Snoop for another year, his senior season, what does that do for your uh, your expectations for what this team can do in uh, in the 2018-2019 season? Uh, I'm legitimately excited, and, and I, I hope it's not Kool Aid. I think this is a year where Shaka Smart has to prove what kind of coach he is because there is talent um, and he is a good coach and so melding those two together if they come to the apex of what that can be I think this could be a better team than last year and again I know that's a weird thing to say when you talk about replacing another one of these um, one and done first round lottery talents uh, but in the backcourt and we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast you have Matt Coleman you have uh, Snoop Roach and, and the good thing for Roach I think um, he went through this process he saw what scouts see what they think of him, what, you know, where he lacks. He knows where he has to get better. He, I mean, the ball is entirely in his court and the kid seems like a competitor. So if you tell him, if you want to be a top pick, you want to be a top 25 pick next year, um, work on this. And I think that's probably, you know, a little bit of like efficiency on the offensive end, really um, committing fully to that defensive end and becoming like a, like a standout in the conference, uh, all conference defender. Um, I, I think, you know, if he does those things that you have a pretty, pretty good backcourt with Matt Coleman, Kerwin Roach, and then you have the potential. You have three guys who I think we will see, which will go a long way into where this team goes with Courtney Ramey um, coming in as the true freshman and giving him a chance to rotate between that one and two and not have to have the immediate responsibility of everything running through him with Coleman and Roach back. Um, again, Andrew Jones, who who is more of a health issue, but what we've seen, I think, is making really good progress, um, which is fantastic news. Basketball, obviously, not the most important thing in his life, but if he has a chance to play, you know, we'll see what he's able to contribute um, next year and then uh and then the um uh, elijah the uh, the transfer we had who, who sat out last year um elijah long um i think is really going to be an x factor in that backcourt so with that plus of course you have osikowski you love him random coming back um and the chance for jericho sims who um he can either be a hey look what we saw at the end of the year from this guy you know let's see what he makes his next step look like and and i hope it's that and not like a um you know we, we won't say his name but but a guy who i pretty much came back for an extra football season to watch him after after we lost Alabama in that national championship, Mr. Double G, um, who never made that step. And I don't think Jericho Sims has that. I think he really truly has the chance to step up um, and become an elite player um, on both ends of the court. So, you know, if, if that team gels together with, with the coach um, and, and some other contributors and some incoming guys uh, filling out that roster um, and a couple guys maybe making making a step up, you know, again, this is Kamaka Hepa and, and Febris and um, – some of those guys, I think, uh, even Royce Ham. Some of those guys, I think, we have a chance for this to be a better team than last year, and Snoop Roach being a really key part uh, of how far they can go in the upcoming season. Yeah, and you know, just just the depth that that he adds. I mean, he was I don't want to say the offense, but he was the clutch in you know as the season rolled around and his. Partially, I don't want to say completely, but it's a big reason why Texas was able to close out the season the way it did and end up in the big dance. So I think a guy like that who's got that it factor, that spark, who's willing to have the ball in his hands or the game on the line, uh, Texas needs that, especially as they continue. I, I hate keep to keep saying that they're a young team because they're not a young team. They just keep uh, signing one-and-done guys, so it feels like they're a young team. Uh, but you know, having a guy like that who's willing to to take the ball to the hole in ISO you know, with a game on the line is a guy that, that Texas needs uh, in its backcourt. And I think, you know, again, the guy named Snoop it has that killer instinct, which, which we so love to see. Uh, a couple of quick hitters for you just before we go, since we had a really great interview uh, with Jared again. So the Texas men's baseball team, in spite of going 0-2 in the Big 12 tournament, which was really sad and made me cry a little bit, uh, was selected to be one of the hosts of the 2018 uh, NCAA tournament regional round. So the Austin regional is set. It'll start on Friday, the 26th. Uh, for the first time since 2011, Texas will be hosting a regional at Dish Falk Field. It's going to be great. If you're in Austin, get your tickets. It'll be awesome to see that. Texas also brought in some hardware this week for the first time in school history. The women's rowing team, the only rowing team, finished third in the NCAA tournament. So they got their first set of hardware there. And then on the women's golf side, golf had a big week. Uh, so uh, Sophia Schubert, 
I hope I said that right, was named a first-team All-American and uh, got these names, man. Uh, Kate, Caitlin Papp. <laughs> <laughs> yep, was named the uh, WGCA's uh, second team All American. So they are uh, the women's golf team is bringing in some honors, and then uh, Doug Gim continues to just set off the uh, set off all of the uh, the awards he could possibly get. Uh, you know, he was named to the Ping All Region Team. Um, you know, he's leading Texas right now in uh, in, NCAA, in the NCAA tournament, even though Texas uh, currently sits in tenth place. Yeah, and, and just a note on Schubert, she's the first uh, All-American uh, in 21 years for that women's golf team. First team All-American anyways. Um, this is her third straight, I think, Big 12, but uh, the first time making that first team All-American. So uh, huge for, for women's golf, for Sophia, and, and for the Longhorns. I mean, we are a women's sports and uh, rowing podcast, so got to make sure we get that out there. But now it's time time in the show where we honor one of our favorite traditions on the 40 Acres and bang the drum. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Uh, I'm going to go back to basketball and not just to say that you heard it first on this podcast when we called that Kerwin Roach would be coming back. Um, That is not where I want to go because I don't just want to bang uh, my own drum. Um, I want to bang the drum on Texas basketball um, and a cool thing. um, There will be uh, in 2018 um, yet again, there will be a uh, for, I believe, the second year, maybe more, but at least the second year in a row, uh, there will be a Longhorn who wears a ring and lifts up the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season. Uh, as of the time recording this podcast, the game has just ended. The Cleveland Cavaliers are uh, the Eastern Conference champions in a, in a Game 7 that I will be going back to finish watching. Um, but they did win, beating the, the Celtics. Um, and so that means that every team left with the two Western Conference Finals teams set to play tomorrow. This is, again, Sunday night. Um, every one of the three has a Longhorn, of course. Um, on the Rockets, you have Ardu, the meanest, cleanest sneaker game in the NBA, as well as, um, you know, just the most adorable freckles on a dude who would absolutely murder uh, you and anyone you've ever known, uh, PJ Tucker on the Houston Rockets. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, of course, that would be Tristan Thompson, uh, Kardashian on the uh, Cavaliers, as well as... TTK. Um, as well as well as one Kevin Durant, who I, I didn't get a chance to ask, but I wanted to ask uh, the Testudo Times Maryland uh, f- editor, who I'm sure covers basketball as well, if, if they were still a little salty about Kevin Durant uh, getting away out of D.C., but Kevin Durant, of course, um, on the Golden State Warriors. So there will be, yet again, Hook'em, another Longhorn NBA champion uh, in 2018. You know what? It feels good. We may not be having success anywhere on campus, but off campus in the professional ranks, Texas is doing big things. Uh, you know, as a uh, as a women's sports podcast, you know, I, I would be remiss. We'd be remiss if my bang the drum was not mentioning uh, Texas softball. Former Texas softball head coach Connie Clark has stepped down from her role uh, helming the Texas team after 23 seasons. So Connie Clark is literally the only women's softball coach that uh, Texas has. Texas fans have known uh, since the program's uh, kind of moving from a club sport to a varsity sport that happened uh, the 95, 96 year. So in 1995, Connie Clark uh, came on for you know to lead the team in the 96 season. Uh, for in her in her you know two almost two and a half decades, she won 873 games had four regular season and four Big 12 tournament uh, championships. So four regular season titles and four tournament championships appeared in the College World Series in 98, 03, 05, 06, and 2013. Coached some of the greatest uh, athletes that have ever existed on the 40 acres, including, uh, can't call her a friend of the show because I don't know if she even knows we exist, but uh, Kat Osterman, who is an Olympian, who played for professionally, just all around, you know, great ambassador. That was a gr- weirdly dominant stretch of years for Texas, you know, 03 to, to you know, 02 to 05, you know, uh, 06, because, you know, you had Vince and cat and you had Colt and you had KD you had all of mm-hmm. those guys you had Kyle and Gerald on campus so it was a great run for the university but uh you know back to coach Clark it it is it is impossible to you know fully uh, encapsulate what somebody like that means to Texas and and being able to walk away when you want to is just huge especially as somebody who has been a cornerstone and a stalwart of this program for longer than 
any of the players on the team have been alive. You know, that is the only Texas softball coach that these players have been alive for. So, um, you know, big ups to Coach Clark. You know, seriously, she has been an ambassador for the program for decades, literally. Uh, we we're sad to see you go. We're glad you can ride off into the sunset. Uh, and hopefully she sticks around uh, in some sort of administrative capacity because she's just been such a great ambassador for the, uh, for the university and for the sport for the last 23 years. Yeah, and uh, you know it's kind of interesting. She's one of, if not, if not really the uh, Eddie Reese was standing because he exists on his own plane uh, or, or uh, pool of existence. Um, she's really the last of that old guard, you know, kind of the DeLoss Dodds era. You know, we we had Mac Brown and and Augie Garrido and and Rick Barnes um, and and her and just kind of uh, this this group of greats uh, who who really you know had prolonged, sustained greatness in, in our the reason that. Texas feels like across multi-sports, you know, one of, if not the best uh, sports school in the country. And so uh, it'll be very interesting to see the next chapter uh, when they have to hire someone new in and just has to fill those shoes. But it's new energy. We're seeing it with Coach Pierce. Um, you know, we're seeing it hopefully with some of the things Shockett's trying to do and, and Tom Herman are trying to do. It's new blood, new energy, and it might take a second to catch. Um, but it has a chance to just catch wildfire and really um, kind of bring Texas up to to the next uh, next age in the newest moment so i i'm excited that she gets to go out um and go out a hero and, and go out celebrated but also we uh we're adding in a new chapter thank you so much for listening in again this week just remember our summer schedule we're going to keep it running so next week we're going to do our 2018 2019 and probably a little 2020 recruiting preview and then in two weeks we'll have both a tulsa and usc preview for you so we're excited about that uh, we'll just keep that rolling all the way through uh, the last week in August where we do our Texas preview leading into the Maryland game again thanks to Jared and all those at Testudo Times for uh, for hanging out with us this week so Kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet you can find me at Twitter at Kyle Carpenter you can find me again in your local Fuddruckers maybe this time Topping with a dash of Old Bay seasoning. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. We've also got a Facebook, so you can hit us up, Longhorn Republic Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and again, feel free to shoot us an email, Pod at gmail.com. Speaking of Twitter, at Longhorn Pod, we're going to do a thing over the summer. Uh, we're just going to do a monthly poll just to see where, where fans are at and feeling this month's poll for the month. Uh, we'll call it our June poll because we've got like five days left of May. Uh, so we'll do our June poll is going to be the most dominant athlete currently ish on campus. So we may have a someone that, you know, was a 2017 ish person, but that'll be the uh, you know, I guess 2017, 18 person. So from this last year, who's the most dominant athlete on campus? We'll put that out on Twitter vote. And uh, we want to hear your opinions. And again, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter to participate at Longhorn. Pod. Thanks so much for tuning in again this week, and until next time, hook 'em. Hook 'em.